What's up, fans, and welcome back to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Alongside Eli Fishman, I'm Stephen Cusimano, and Eli, Patriots coming off a really good road trip in New Hampshire. Won the first six games of it. It was a rare seven-game road trip. Lost the last game, but they entered it two and a half games behind Hartford for first place, and they exit it with a one-game lead, which makes the plan simple. Win three games here at home versus the Yard Goats, and they're in the playoffs for the first time as the Yankees' double-A affiliate, but coming off a great series that made this possible. Absolutely. A great series in every single aspect of the team. The offense up and down the lineup. Guys shining. A lot of RBIs, a lot of stolen bases, a lot of home runs. And then on the pitching side as well, especially that bullpen. Stepping up in some huge spots, locking it down. Luis Medina started with a great start. Mitch Spence, Sean Boyle with a great start. Will Warren as well. Up and down. It was just a great road trip, and the momentum for this team is huge coming into this crucial series with Hartford. And I'm glad you brought up Luis Medina because one of the top pitching prospects in the Yankees organization and he was stellar versus the Fisher Cats. He's on a roll as of recently his last few starts but 10 strikeouts in Manchester he was brilliant on the mound this week. His last few starts you can see why he's not just one of the best prospects in the Yankees system but in all of baseball and one thing that I've loved to see is the pitch usage. We, we see that 100 mile per hour fastball that he tends to keep going back to but he's been mixing it up a lot more lately being able to go with that first pitch changeup, that first pitch filthy curveball and then going back to that 100 mile per hour fastball to blow it away the command is there and the confidence is there he's one of those guys when he plays with a smile he plays with energy he's one of the best guys on the field and the vibes for him right now are definitely in that direction and the whole vibes for the team have been in the right direction again three wins away from a playoff spot and a big part of that recently has been Anthony Volpe uh, over the month of June he has really turned it up there's a lot of numbers I can throw out there, but to put it in the simplest terms, his last nine games, the Yankees' number one prospect is batting 351 for the Patriots. Multiple hits in five of his last nine games. He has just really been looking so good at the plate this past few weeks. He's definitely turned around, been looking insane, been looking like that top prospect. Now, after a few guys making the big leagues, the best prospect in all of minor league baseball at the moment, according to MLB Pipeline. And, I mean, we've seen it all season, the run production from Volpe, being able to steal bases, work walks, and we definitely saw that in all aspects during the series, especially in that middle game, infield single, steals second, steals third, and on a pass ball that just gets behind the catcher, comes into score making his own run. We see it day in and day out. I mean, you forget he's only 21 years old and at such a high level with the way that he plays. And it's unbelievable, too, because this past road trip, Patriots won six straight games, but a lot of those were decided by one run, and that was one of those games where he manufactured a run all by himself, and that was partially why they won. Also had a game-winning three-run homer, his seventh of the year, on Saturday night for their sixth straight win. And another guy who doesn't get maybe the same attention, but a fellow infielder, kind of his battery mate at second base, Jesus Bastidas, man, having a breakout year. Nine homers last year, which kind of came out of nowhere. And this year already, less than halfway through, he's got seven of them, including two this week. He has looked unbelievable for the Patriots at the plate. For sure. He's always been one of those under-the-radar guys who'll go up and fill a spot throughout the organization, not necessarily a guy that is in the lineup every day. But this season, he has solidified himself in that role, turning a lot of heads. The power he's showcased with, I think it's seven home runs now in such short of a time, um, a lot more than he's had at any point throughout his career, is insanely impressive. The power, every single at-bat, he hits the ball hard, he puts the ball in play, runs the base as well, been playing a very good second base, turning a lot of heads, and he's really impressed, been an everyday player that's been a huge help in this lineup. I mentioned all those one-run games, but during the road trip, Bastidas had two more homers, one of which gave them a 2-0 win on uh, their first game of the doubleheader on Wednesday. So um, another guy who's been locking down a lot of these close games, Carson Coleman. He has been an addition from high A Hudson Valley, kind of in the midway point of this first half, and he has looked phenomenal for the Patriots out of the pen. For sure, an ERA right about .5 on the season right Can't now. That. <laughs> Every time he comes in, I mean, it's just that fastball with ride in the zone, pounds the zone, strike after strike, 
quick inning, a lot of strikeouts. It's been so much fun to watch him pitch. Coming up from Hudson Valley only a couple weeks into the season. And last year in Tampa, he struggled a little bit. The numbers necess weren't necessarily there. A lot of walks, the control wasn't necessarily there. At this point in the season in 2021 for low A Tampa, he had an ERA right about five. So the improvements that he's made in every aspect, going back to that slider a lot more, having more confidence in the fastball, being able to throw it at any pitch in any count. I mean, he's just been such a versatile player, and he might be climbing the ladder throughout the organization very soon the way he's playing. Yeah, he's at the top of that list of some players who have been really fun to watch this year. And uh, one guy who has been, I guess, maybe the most consistent player for Somerset this year is the guy they call Coach Locke, Brandon Lockridge, the Yankees' number 17 prospect, and our guest up next on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. He also had a game-winning hit um, for the Patriots this past week in New Hampshire, um, but he's having a very solidly consistent year for the Patriots. For sure. He's one of those guys you, you come out to the ballpark, and it's just so much fun to watch him play, swiping bases, making some great plays in center field. We saw a home run robbery a couple of weeks ago that – had some success on social media, hits for power a little bit, you know, splitting the gaps, hits the ball to all, all parts of the field, has fun, plays with a smile on his face, great guy in the clubhouse, just everything to like about a ball player. Brandon Lockridge has that. Had a game-winning hit in New Hampshire, also a three-hit game in that same day, so he has been really turning it up for the Patriots as well. And Brandon Lockridge is our guest next on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. I'm Miles, and this is what I work for. To be my best for them, and for me, in body and in mind. I need a health insurer that helps me get the care I need for both, that has mental health professionals that I can talk to when I need to, because when I feel strong and secure, so do they. This is my life, and this is how Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey works for me. Welcome back to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Alongside Eli Fishman, I'm Stephen Cusimano, and with our special guest today, it's Yankees outfield prospect Brandon Lockridge. And Brandon, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a very fun season. Chance to quench the playoffs this week and three wins away potentially. But how would you assess the way your season personally has gone so far? Um, I mean, it's been up and down, you know. It's a long season. Uh, to think the first half is already over with is kind of crazy. It's kind of flown by. Um, you know, numbers-wise, I wish I played better in the first half. But, you know, we're striving for a better second half personally. But uh, I've helped the team win some games. And uh, at the end of the day, that's all it's about. And team-wide, one of the first things I noticed when you guys all reported here early in April and, and May was that a lot of you guys played together in Hudson Valley, and then you guys came up just short over there as well. But mm -hmm. just the team chemistry of this this particular group of guys, it seems like something that's been really fun to watch. But how has that been to go around every day and, and play with these same guys? I mean, it's a special clubhouse. You know, being with a lot of these guys, some of the guys I've never played with before, um, the way the whole team kind of meshes together, there's unbelievable team chemistry. Um, you know, I feel like that's an important part of a winning team. And uh, we're obviously winning a lot of games, and it's a lot more fun when you're winning. So uh, just doing it with a bunch of, you know, really good guys, uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, hard-nosed, hard workers. You know what you're going to get from guys every single day. Um, one guy's not performing, you know, another guy picks us up. Um, me and actually Dunham were talking about it, you know, towards the end of this last series. It's you never know who's going to be the guy that picks up the slack. Um, to win a lot of ball games and to win a championship, that's kind of like a crucial part, you know not relying on just one guy, certain guys, whether it's the bottom of the lineup, you know, a new guy, pinch hit situation, anything, you know, come mm -hmm. up with a big play defensively, um, especially, you never know what you're going to get, so. Yeah. What was your offseason like in pre preparation, like coming into the season, especially with the lockout, you know, the Rule 5 stuff, how did that prepare you? Um, it was a weird offseason. It was my first year. I, I lived in Tampa for the first time in the offseason. Um, get to work out at our, you know, Yankees spring training complex. Uh, 
be around a bunch of really good coaches, whether you know different departments helping, all helping my game. Uh, it was an awesome year. Um, a lot of guys come down early, which I feel like is a good culture in the first place. When you got guys that want to come down early and work out of the same place, I mean, whether it's Volpe, you know, Dunham, we had so many guys down there early just pushing each other. Whether it's you know speed work, sled stuff, hitting, throwing, like it's just a competitive environment, and that's how you kind of really get a little little bit better every day, you know, by that little bit of competitive edge, and uh, you're kind of seeing some of the results by you know, big seasons that a lot of these guys are having, so. One of the other first things I noticed when you guys all reported was the nickname. Everyone calls you Coach Lock, <laughs> and I think being around you for a couple months now, the reason's pretty obvious, but for the fans at home who don't know why uh, that is your nickname, uh, tell us a little bit about why and who started that. Like, when did that become a thing? So it's kind of a funny, I mean, people have asked me this quite a bit, you know, <laughs> new guys that come to the team, whatever, they ask why, why everybody calls me that or whatever, but last year in Hudson Valley, you know, Phil, awesome, awesome manager, awesome guy, uh, loved playing for him last year, this year. Uh, it's kind of an inside joke when growing up, like you called everybody when you in the in the sports world, like your coaches, you called them coach by their last name. And that's just the way I was raised. Like you didn't call people by their first name. So you get a professional baseball and I, I started calling people coach, you know, coach, whatever, <laughs> you know, and immediately that gets shut down and they tell you, hey, you don't call people coach. This is your professional. Now you call us by their first name. So there's, <laughs> you know, I, it's been a respect thing for me. So now I'm calling, you know, old men, older men by their first name, and it just feels so wrong. But I, I get to, to Hudson Valley last year, and it was like an, a kind of a running joke. I would call Theo, Coach Theo. And because it's kind of like a frowned upon thing. So I would do it as a joke, started calling him, started calling everybody Coach, Coach this, Coach that. And it kind of stuck since I said it so much, people started calling me Coach. And I'm like, and I guess it's kind of stuck around. I don't know. I, I played outfield for a long time. You know, guys, I enjoy playing with everybody. They call me it out there. I mean, um, I don't know if it's from a like a the way I act or anything. I don't want to act like a know-it-all by any means, but uh, I would really honestly say it's just because I said it so much that people started calling me. We got Josh Bro on the team. He started calling everybody Haas. Like that's his yep. running name. He calls everybody Haas. So now his name that everybody calls him is Haas. So I guess it's a you know kind of a running thing. Like if you say something enough, they're going to start calling you it. So that's kind of the long long version of why they call me it. What was that like growing up in Pensacola, going about the baseball scene out there in the Panhandle, and, mm -hmm. and just coming from your background? It was awesome. There's such good talent in, in our area, baseball-wise. Uh, got to play, was fortunate enough to play some travel ball. Got to travel around, play the Atlanta teams, the South Florida teams. Went to Mississippi quite a few times. Um, there's just a lot of, you know, the Georgia, the, the East Cobb, Astro, you know, that whole, like, all the big travel ball tournaments out of there. Um, just played against a bunch of really good, talented teams. Uh, you know, even into high school, getting to, to travel the state of Florida and play in a few state championship games. It was, it was a lot of fun. And you went 32-0 and 0 it was, I think, and you guys won the, the championship as well. What was your life like in that sense, you that, know, that a, success? Yeah, that was a crazy year. So I, I was a sophomore in high school, um, started the first half of the season on, on JV. Our, our varsity team was ridiculous, obviously. They won a lot of games. Our center fielder at the time got hurt, went down. I was playing well in JV. They sent me up to, to varsity for probably the last half of the season. Um, so got to travel to stay with them, come in. I been a while, but I think it was like a pinch running situation in the state championship game, like as a, as a little sophomore, you know, just happy to be there, get to travel with a bunch of, you know, talented guys that had really successful college and in some professional careers. Um, that team, it kind of was, you know, I compare everything kind of back to that team now. Every good team I, I play on now, it kind of goes back to the, the makeup of that team, how, how much, how many good leaders we had on the team, the accountability that, that guys ha had for each other. It was, 
it was really eye-opening, and I'm, I'm thankful to be on that team at such a young age, you know, to get to see what, you know, winning makeup is. What does this team rank in, in terms of you compare everything to that championship-winning team? Where does this team in particular this year rank? So it's a different perspective now because <laughs> at that time I'm the young guy looking up. Now it's like, you know, there, there's young guys. That, I always use Volpe as an example. Like, just to be one of the top leaders on the team as one of the youngest guys, you know, I couldn't picture myself in that role, you know, like because at the time I was just – I was kind of learning and, you know, walking, you know, tiptoeing through the clubhouse and everything to, to see and then to see a guy like him coming in a role and, you know, and to be one of the, the top leaders on the team from such a young age. I mean, you see it across the board, though. I mean, from the pitching side, you got you got guys that, you know, an unbelievably talented group of guys from pitching. You know, if, if we're not scoring runs that day, the pitchers hold guys, you know, the other team to a few runs, and we were able to scratch a few across. You know, the pitchers struggle one day. It seems like we're able to come up and score some runs. So it's like, I mean, from a whole standpoint, like, you go in our locker room after a game, the, the feeling of, you know, winning a game and being in this locker room after, after a win is, is special. You feel like you've won a championship every day. And uh, it's the reason, like, you have a 2.15 report day. Guys are an hour and a half early to the locker room. You know, we're hanging around, being around each other. Um, if, a, if there's not that good, you know, that team camaraderie, I feel like you don't have that. And I've played with other teams that, you know, you don't, you don't see that. And uh, it it's definitely ranks, you know, to the top of, you know, what I, you know, witnessed as a, a sophomore in high school. I feel like that's a perfect segue to the shirt you're wearing, the Somerset Sluggers. You guys bring out all the stops in the dugout when you guys hit home runs, and uh, top in the tops in the league in home runs right now. Mm -hmm. You got the Polaroids, you got the Joe Burrow glasses, you got <laughs> a little bit of everything in there. How did some of those traditions start? I had a chance to ask Jake about some of this. For the for the shades thing, like it was from what I understand, uh, Max Burt and Blake Perkins, you know, they sit there at night. They they both stay at the Volpe's house yeah. and. They live in the basement or whatever, and they're sitting there watching TV one night, and I get, from what I understand, brainstorming on ideas. You, know, you see in the big leagues all these different home run celebrations, yeah. and they brought it to life. And, I mean, Blake bought a, a Polaroid camera, got the shades from, from I think they're like $5 shades off Amazon, um, and that kind of was how it, it became a thing. And, I mean, I think it's an incredible idea, and we've, we've brainstormed ideas on, you know, what to do with all the pictures on the board in the locker room after, after the season's over with. And, I don't think we've quite come to a you know an agreement on what we're going to do yet, but um, it's little things like that. Like it's it's small little creative things that kind of bring everybody together. And uh, you know, nothing. The first thing when a ball even looks like it's going to be out of the park is someone's looking for the shades. <laughs> look for the shades in the dugout, and it's fun. It's, it's awesome to be a part of. Growing up in the backyard, who would you model your game after? Model my game after, man. That's no one immediately one. comes to mind. No, no one. I mean, who'd you grow up a fan of? What team, by I, the way? So I grew up a Braves fan solely because I, I went to a Braves game as a kid. Yeah. It was like the closest team to, you know, Pensacola area. Atlanta's, you know, four or five hours away uh, from Pensacola. Um, I mean, I was a huge individual. I was a Derek Jeter fan. Obviously, cliche as it gets. <laughs> Played shortstop my whole life until, uh, you know, probably sophomore year. No, no. Freshman year of college. Played mm -hmm. shortstop until, until that year. Um, so, you know, being a huge, huge shortstop fan and, you know, going to be the best shortstop I can be, who better to model your game after than to, you know, Derek Jeter. Um, I would say offensively, though, I mean, I was, I was a different, you know, I didn't really know much about myself when I was a kid. I was just up there just whacking away, you know, so. What was that transition like going from a shortstop to an outfielder? Um, different. I mean, it was, quite honestly, it was easy. It was an easy transition. Like, I, I played shortstop my whole life up to college. I get to freshman year of college, uh, our shortstop was – a sophomore now, he started as a freshman, really good infielder. Matt Sanders went to be drafted by, by Seattle. Um, knew from the, the day one I wasn't playing shortstop at Troy. So moved over to second base, played second base my first two years. Uh, was asked by my coach my junior year, said, hey, probably profile better professionally. Teams are asking if you 
I've ever thought about playing outfield. Um, I gladly moved out there after a, a kind of rough numbers-wise, uh, a lot of errors at second base my, my sophomore year of college. Um, and it was really natural. Like it was one of the most natural. Just got a bunch of reads out there, um, kind of let my athleticism play, and uh, you know tried to slowly improve and get as many reps as I can since I was you know 15 years behind in the outfield compared to <laughs> most guys that played most of their life. You know, so I want to ask about the speed on the bases too, because that's obviously something you're big on, and now that's something the Yankees organization is big on. You know, bringing Matt Tallarico, and there's just been such an emphasis on stealing bags. You know, tell me about that and how they develop you to do that. Yeah, man, Matt, Matt has been awesome. Whether it's you know. Working with you know track coaches in the off season, I mean, he's got so much information that he's he's piled together for us, and you know the different strategies on the base, the encouragement of just being aggressive. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. We're in the minor leagues to to become better. We want to be great base runners in the big leagues one day. You got to make mistakes down here to know what you're you're good at. Um, you know, trying to be more aggressive. I've you know I've strayed back a little bit. I, I should be going more than I do right now. Um, but that's one of the things we work on in the off season. Like we when, when you watch if you were to watch our spring training practices, I guarantee you we're the only teams that that spends as much time doing base running stuff, whether it's just stepping off leads and getting secondaries and, you know, timing of, of you know, shuffles and everything. Like, there's so much that goes into the base running side of things. And I, I feel like this, we're one of probably the best base running teams in, in the league. And um, it's not because we haven't worked at it. It's because we put a lot of time into it. And, uh, you know, you can attribute that to all of our coaches, you know, and Matt, you know, being one of the guys that has, you know, kind of structured everything in the way that we have, you know, so. And I remember right before the season began, you pinpointed base running as one of the main things you wanted to kind of focus in on this year. At this point, we're pretty much halfway through. Where do you stand on, where, you know, what improvements you want to make and what you've been satisfied with at this point in the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to score as many runs as possible. You know, you, you got to score more runs in the team um, than the, the other team in order to win. That's kind of the end of the day. It's how can I create run value on the bases and whether that's stealing a base, whether that's taking the extra base, um, you know, tagging on a shallow fly ball. You, you're just using the wheels as much as you can. Um, I'd like to steal more bases in the second half. That's something I'm going to be focused a little bit more on. Um, hopefully have a little bit you know, more opportunities, being on base a little bit more in the next half. Um, and uh, you know, just kind of take it day to time and uh, you know, ask questions to my coaches and see where they can see improvement. It's kind of hard to see sometimes when you're, when you're out there doing it yourself. So um, just continue to win. If we have a, as good of a second half as we had the first, you know, we'll look up and have a really successful year. You know, so. Beyond from what someone sees sitting in the stands, what do the fans need to know about Brandon Lockridge? So I'm pretty pumped. Me and one of my college buddies uh, just recently, we applied to the state of Wyoming to, to hunt this offseason. So we got drawn in a drawing to, to hunt in Wyoming. So going out for about 10 days in the offseason okay. to, uh, to hunt Wyoming. You know, I've never been to the, you know, that, west, that west before, you know, far west. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it in my off, you know, my off time away from the field. I've been researching areas, where to stay, and all this different stuff. So. Um, if you need me in the offseason, you can find me in Wyoming for a couple weeks. So. For, our, for our social media question, okay. we asked if you were, could be stuck on a desert <laughs> yeah. island yep. with one teammate. Most, most people said Brandon Lockridge. What's your reaction to that? I'm more offended to the people that didn't say me. Yeah. Because I'm like, you're going to starve to death and you're not going to have shelter if you don't pick me. So, um, but it, I'm flattered to know that you know, everybody realizes that um, you know, I'd be the person that would take care of him if we were stuck on an island together. What so. was your answer for that question? You remember? I chose uh, Stephen Jennings. Solely, he's a Tennessee boy. There we go. We've discussed our our hobby of hunting and stuff in the off season. So, um, I was choosing a fellow a fellow uh, you know hunter as my choice. So now that Tanner Myatt's here, I'd have to maybe switch. Oh. Tanner Myatt's he's up there on the list. I would have to say North Carolina kid, right? North Carolina yeah. kid, uh, big into hunting, fishing, everything. So wouldn't have to to carry all the weight of supplying food for our you know. <laughs> for our tent so well before you leave i want to ask you one final question i'm going to put you on the spot you got to nominate one teammate to be interviewed on our next podcast 
First guy comes to mind, Elijah Dunham. There we go. Cheese, yep. hopefully we can get him on Put next podcast. On well, thank you again for... Uh, it's been a great time, and uh, hopefully we'll end with a first-half championship this week. Absolutely. Three games. That's all it takes. All right, that's Brandon Lockridge, Eli Fishman. I'm Stephen Cusimano, and we'll see you next week on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast.